This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath, your host of this show. It's always my pleasure to be here with you every Sunday evening, live from the CKNW studios. I'm here with Matt Hyland, the board op, who wrote a great article. Thank you very much, Matt, about the Vancouver Women's Conference that was published in the BCIT magazine. That was fantastic about uh, what you learned uh, about women as uh, with a bird's eye view. <laughs> You yeah, were. it was it was pretty interesting. I was talking to Jody the other day, and I just felt like I heard I was a part of conversations I never ever would have heard before. Women talking and a guy listening. How about that? No, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> kind of unusual. No, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, thank you so much, and thank you for being there. So tonight on the second half of the program, if you have stayed with me, that's so fantastic. If you are just joining me, welcome aboard. Uh, I. Uh, we In the first hour of the program, we talked about the birth fair, which is happening on February 26th and 27th at the Cloverdale Agriplex. I mean, February 25th and 26th, Saturday and Sunday, on the weekend uh, at the Cloverdale Agriplex. And I'm going to be speaking there about um, all sorts of subjects related to sex after the children are born or even during pregnancy. Uh, so lots of uh, information on that. I am a reproductive health nurse, and I was the head nurse for maternal child program at Vancouver Coastal Health at one point, and uh, I loved that job. I loved uh, working there and working with new moms and uh, and the babies, of course. Um, so if you would like to, you can call in to win the stroller, which uh, courtesy of TJ the Kitties in Kitsilano and Surrey has donated. It's about an $800 stroller. It's a Guzzies and Gussie 3 plus, Connect plus 3 stroller. It'll certainly get around in uh, these tough weather conditions that we're having here. But if you know somebody that's particularly deserving, I really like to uh, share things in a way that uh, benefits other other people who may be struggling, especially at this time of year. So if you know a new mom or an organization that uh, you feel would greatly benefit from this, give us a call to enter their name, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Uh, So this part of the program, we're going to be talking about lots of different things from porn to widowhood to uh, orgasm. And um, But right now I want to talk a little bit about uh, diet and health. And you would think this, but... uh, Certain foods are good for your sex life. And one of those foods is fish because it's good for your heart because it helps to increase blood flow. And your genitalia needs blood flow for great sex. And so there are certain nutrients in fish that can actually increase or enhance your libido. Uh, So that will help with the blood flow and a healthy heart encourages blood circulation all over your body and also may increase sexual sensation as well. So to talk a little bit further about that, we have Kim Stockton of St. Jean's Cannery on the line. Hello, Kim. Hi, Brian. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Good. Oh, good. So am I right? Is is fish good for sex? <laughs> well, apparently it is. <laughs> yeah, so I thought uh, your gift baskets, uh, the seafood gift baskets from St. Jean's Cannery. And, of course, you have a new store out at the Tawasson. Tawasson Mills, yeah. The Tawasson Mills. we about our new store there. Just the, opened in October, so we're yep, just starting out in the new mall. And so what are the kinds of things that somebody might put into a gift basket? Let's say if they 
kind of had the idea that the Joneses weren't be having weren't having as much sex as they thought they were, yeah. and uh, they wanted to increase the libido or the romance of that couple. What are some of the things that somebody might put in well, to a seafood yeah, gift basket? Yeah. Well, I think everyone talks about the oysters, right? That um, the smoked oysters are a good one for that, and the, the salmon, of course, with, with all the natural oils and all your omegas and it makes you super healthy and um, they're super good for your heart health and and tuna as well uh, is a great one for the baskets and that yeah it's quite different from a fruit basket or candy basket or um, even flowers um, and so also there's you have some dry things and you have some frozen things so, like can those be ordered as well yeah, definitely. So at the stores, we have um, we have a frozen section, so you'll have all your frozen um, smoked salmons, and, and we have, you know, tuna, that we have frozen tuna and candied salmon and all that. It's also available in retorts, which is shelf-stable. Um, but uh, then, yeah, all the dry products and the cans are all available individually, but also in the, in the baskets and gift um, boxes as well. And you hand-pack all of your seafood in-house? Yeah, it's so, hand-packed. So, so in Nanaimo is our cannery, St. Jean's Cannery and Smokehouse, and it's the um, largest tuna and salmon cannery in Canada. Oh, wow. So everything is um, processed there. It's caught in the Pacific Northwest, so um, locally caught, sustainably caught and processed in in Canada. So everything's product of Canada as well. And you've been around for a while, since 1961? That's right, yeah. So 55 years. Wow. um, Yeah, and and it's great to support local companies, and and we're really super excited that not only do we have our online sales, which we've always had, and we have our... um, you know, we have some uh, kiosks in the malls on the island, but now this is the first time we've had a store that's selling the products here on the mainland, too. Well, so, that's so fantastic. Yeah. And also, this is a family business. It was started by a Quebec native uh, and former wrestler, Armand St. John. St. Jean. And uh, apparently, Armand's wife, Betty, is 93 years young, and she still comes by the cannery? That's right, yes. That's and amazing. She baking, and I've had it myself. It's well, amazing, yeah. And Gerard is, is, Gerard is Armand's son, and he's um, still uh, there, and see him every day at the cannery. That's so great. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you've, you're very generous over there, and it is Christmas time, and so you've uh, generously donated a gift basket That's uh, right. we for will donate a, a listener. Gift basket of all our seafood products. To, you know, um. That's so nice. And we had put a little bit of a call out. So uh, if you want to give us a call, 604-280-9898. But uh, we, have, um, we have Bruce on the line, apparently, uh, is the winner of the gift basket. Uh, are you still there? Yeah, Merry uh, Christmas. Oh, hey, Bruce. How are you? Well, fine, thanks. Oh, good. So uh, congratulations. You're the winner. Yeah. That's great. I so, like fish, yeah. do you like fish? Yeah, every Friday. Every, yeah, fish on Fridays, of course. I grew up that way as well. <laughs> I like fish every day. Uh, it's my favorite, uh, my favorite food. So, well, thanks for listening okay. and enjoy the fish and have a wonderful holiday. Okay, thanks very much. You are so welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye now. So, it's, you know, it's great to have a family business and people who are so generous and head on out there to Tawasson Mills. And uh, and check out that store and, and consider giving a healthy uh, healthy fish basket uh, to somebody um, over the holidays. If you're if you don't know what to give them, you might think, well, let's order from the St. Jean's Cannery or head on out uh, to um, 
pick up some BC spot prawns or something really good. I'm a massive seafood lover, so um, I'm sure I'm not alone with that. Anyway, it's good for your libido and your love life. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath. Uh, so don't forget, uh, email me, sextalk at cknw.com. If you have any questions at all that you'd like me to answer, I'm happy to do so. Or if you would like to um, put in your name or someone's name for the stroller uh, that has been so graciously donated to this show. And uh, we'll be choosing a winner over the next uh, couple of weeks. And that's uh, around the birth fair, which is going to be happening at the Cloverdale um, Agriplex on... February 25th and 26th, I have a bunch of other events where I'm speaking at uh, in 2017 as well. They're starting to add up. There's another International Autonomic Symposium, which is going to be at February 22nd at ICORD, the Blessing Center. I'm the co-chair of that, along with Dr. Andre Krasiakoff. So um, tickets are on Eventbrite there, so you can head on over there. I'm also... Um, going to be speaking at uh, Menopause Madness, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that event. I'm speaking out uh, in Pitt Meadows uh, at Discovery College as well in January, so lots of speaking engagements, heading on over to the island uh, to speak uh, as well about the sex thing, about this this thing we call sex, and also potentially in Edmonton as well. I'm also the executive director of the Women's Health Initiative Network. It's a national not-for-profit organization to raise awareness about uterine health, such as uterine fibroids. Uh, we will be a presence at the Cloverdale event, the birth fair out there. Also, um, the Women's Health Initiative Network, or WIN.ca, has been awarded a big grant this year, which is fantastic to aid in the awareness raising around bladder health, sexual health, and vaginal health. So I'm very excited about what is to come in 2017 around this. So I just got word that I uh, that the organization uh, was awarded this rather large grant. Uh, so I'm very happy with that. The check will be coming in the mail in a couple of weeks, and we'll just get working on, on that uh, for 2017. So uh, that is great. Uh, I get a lot of emails from all of you, and I do Skype consults since I, um, and which have increased since that TEDx talk that I did. But I got one recently where I uh, thought, "Oh yeah, this is legit. It's just a language problem." So I read the email. It was actually a message on LinkedIn, and he said, "How he he was from India, and he wrote, how can I talk to you about sex talk?'" And so I thought it sounded that. With a little language um, situation or language issue, perhaps that uh, that he actually wanted a consult, so I gave him my standard. Um, I provide consultation. This is the process, and then he wrote back and said, "Do I get to see your body parts?" <laughs> I thought, "Oh no, I got that one wrong." And so I wrote back. I thought my response was good, and I said, "I'm going to report you to the authorities." And your wife. Anyway, never heard from him again, of course. Um, He probably likely had a wife. Anyway, um, so, you know, I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of great emails uh, that when you're asking lots of good questions. So feel free to email me, sextalk at cknw.com. 
Um, you know, this is Christmas and it's a difficult and challenging time for a lot of people. Uh, people who maybe have suffered loss, people who had abuse perhaps as a child, or Christmas wasn't a beautiful time or the most wonderful time of the year, and that may trigger some memories. But we rarely think about widows, especially widows who are widows at a very young age, like in their 30s, 40s, 50s. Uh, people are not supposed to leave us that soon, but it can be a really challenging time. It's a time where there's mixed emotion, there's heartache, there's heartbreak, there's memories, there's the children to think of, uh, there's your own health. And, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit uh, after the break. But uh, I didn't realize just how much widows had to think about their own health. And the risk of suicide is high for in the first year, but especially in the first three months after the loss. And that's why it's important for uh widows to be surrounded by love and friends and support and uh, all the time. Uh, They really need that. People can experience anxiety, panic attacks. Uh, A couple of the patients in my clinical practice, one of them was drinking. She had never been a drinker. One of them started drinking, then taking a sleeping pill at night, taking an antidepressant during the day. And, and she was panicked and she was scattered and she couldn't focus at all. And she was having uh, lots of trouble. So people don't know how to cope, it, especially if it is a sudden loss or a traumatic loss or the end was, was tragic and, and not necessarily peaceful or you perhaps felt like the person, your, your spouse, your lover was not given appropriate medical care. That can be uh, a big issue. So you may have a lot of questions or think, what what could have been? What if, what if this? What if this had been discovered? What if that had not happened? What if um, he or she wasn't given this particular medication? And sometimes people can cry and sometimes people can't. They can not let go. Sometimes people can't process what happens. Uh, after the tragic loss of a spouse and, and Christmas time just triggers memories. And a very good friend of mine has lost her husband far too young. And, and he was also a very good friend of mine, prince of a guy, just a great guy. And I said, what are you going to do about the Christmas tree? And she said, uh, she didn't know, but she knew she had to do something because she has children. And so I said, let's go into urban barn. Let's walk through over in Park Royal. And uh, so I knew they had some Christmas trees already. They had the fake Christmas trees. And she just didn't have it in her to get a real Christmas tree. And so we walked through and she found one that was kind of retro. It had the fake snow on it. And it was a pre-lit tree. And we were sort of focusing on all the positives about it. And uh, so we brought it home. And, you know, she could do that much. Just get it out of the box and, and put it up in her newly renovated home uh, because she was very busy. She's been really busy just trying to, you know, deal with the pain because the the pain is just so much and the loneliness and the loss is so uh, severe and and felt all the time. It never goes away, even, even when you're sleeping. And oftentimes my friend and the patients that I see in my clinical practice can't sleep either. And they, and if they do sleep, they get up really early and and it's really really painful for them and so i 
I didn't realize that there was something called the widowhood effect. It's actually a bit like a syndrome. It's actually um, such, it underscores the, the tragic loss that people feel um, when they have lost their spouse. You can imagine, or, or you can't imagine, what it is like to lose your spouse when you're in your 30s, in your 40s, when you maybe are thinking of having children or you've had children. Um, it's, there's a, the widowhood effect is co- correlates with an increased chance of dying after a spouse dies. And it's actually the greatest in the first three months after the loss. And that's according to the Harvard School of Public Health. And people are at risk of taking their own lives or dying by suicide. The researchers at Harvard found that the widow, widows and the widowers, I happen to be dealing with widows, um, uh, were more likely to die than people whose spouses were still living on average. So that effect was the strongest in the first three months when they said that they had an, a 66% increased chance of dying. Previous research has revealed that men face a greater risk than women of dying soon after a spouse, but this this particular study found no difference. Uh, these findings were published in the Journal of Public Health, and they were based on data from the University of Michigan Health and Retirement Study, which surveys 26,000 Americans every year. Um so this this widowhood effect is real, but it's unclear what causes that increased death risk. I think loneliness is probably a contributing factor because loneliness increases peripheral vascular resistance. It elevates blood pressure and it can lead to an early death. It could also be a grief-related mechanism or providing care for their sick spouse up until the spouse passes. Um, You hear about that, the caregiver syndrome, that it's, you know, it's exhausting. You're worrying about somebody, perhaps they have uh, had cancer. One of my friend's husbands died a couple of years ago. And uh, I mean, talk about a prince, great, great guy. I spent the night with him two nights before he died. His wife needed to sleep in her own bed and he was in the hospital and the end was, was imminent. And she just needed a rest, and she just needed to know that somebody was there who had some medical background who was going to call her or text her. She just needed that peace of mind. And and he talked about his children, and he talked about how he told them that uh, it um, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. And he comforted them by telling them that at the age of 45, he had had a better life than most 85-year-olds and that he was so grateful. But at the very end, he also told me how anxious he was and uh, how he worried for his wife. But she's done extremely well, and uh, it's been a couple of years, and she's met somebody, and her, her children love him, and, uh, and it's all great. Uh, well, it's as great as it can be, but she's certainly been through the ups and downs and the heartache and the heartbreaks and the loss and the loneliness and everything that uh, you, one goes through when they lose their lover, their love. And what about the sex? You're sexually active and 
all of a sudden in, in illness occurs and then the death happens and you're no longer involved in an intimate relationship. It's a whole different story. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this show for you. Thanks for being here with me tonight, uh, talking about lots of these subjects that relate to love, sex, health, and your relationships. One thing that uh, seems to be quite controversial is pornography. And certainly it is a challenge, especially for young children, um, it, because children today can access pornography quite easily and at very early ages. But is it harmful for couples? That's the question. And there is some evidence to support that it is not harmful for couples. There's a new article that was published online in the journal Current Opinion in Psychology, and that argues that the current state of research on pornography suffers from a number of shortcomings, which makes it difficult to draw a conclusion as to whether pornography's pornography is good or bad for a relationship. Now, pornography may indeed help with erectile dysfunction, so it can be a treatment option for people, and I've certainly... I have certainly suggested that in my clinical practice. But this article that was authored by Kohut and Campbell out of the University of Western Ontario suggests that researchers need to develop a standard defin definition of pornography and some more reliable ways to measure the consumption of pornography and also to look a little bit more stringently at how couples are using it, how it makes them feel, and that's what they did. And there's always this harm-focused approach, and the um, the that harm-focused approach will ignore neutral or positive outcomes. Because if we're we're giving that bias, and we're actually saying um, this is harmful to you, therefore it must be that it invokes shame in people, and so people are not necessarily going to talk about it in a truthful manner. So Kohut and Campbell conducted an exploratory study of about 430 people in relationships that found no negative effect was the most commonly reported impact of pornography use. So there was no harmful effect. And in fact, many men and women reported positive effects, while some others reported negative impacts. But for the most part there was a positive or not a negative effect related to porn when a mutually consenting couple engaged in sex. So this is part of the mainstream, or one may speculate that pornography is part of the mainstream. This is something that needs to be researched. And we're doing more and more research on sexuality and sexual health than ever before, and that is a good thing. Um, there's also more concern from the public uh, about the effects of pornography on romantic relationships. People get very frightened if they find their partner has been looking at porn online. 
and because they don't understand it and they think that it has something to do with them, that they think they're not good enough or they're not attractive enough or that they may be overweight. Um, so there's, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you discover your partner online viewing porn. I have many people that present to my clinical practice that tell me that very thing. They are ashamed. They are scared. They are anxious. They don't understand it, and they they are seeking to understand. So it's, it's arousing, obviously. It doesn't necessarily mean that the partner, the spouse, the lover isn't good enough or isn't, doesn't meet the, um, the needs of a person. Many people don't even know, many women don't even know if their partner, their male partner or their husband masturbates. They, it's a secret activity. It's not something that's necessarily done in front of somebody unless uh, self-stimulation is done together as a couple. And, and that is certainly um, very common as well. But, but a lot of women will say, I, I have no idea if he masturbates. Or they'll say no. They'll actually, because they've never seen their husband or partner masturbate. So there's a lot more going on with pornography use in relationships than most people believe. Uh, but the primary message, especially from this, this research, reveals that consumption of porn threatens the economic, emotional, and relational stability of marriages and families. And a lot of studies have passed this message on. A lot of organizations pass this message on, contract this message, but we don't have necessarily the literature to support that it may actually be beneficial. So you have to look to the sexual health research researchers, the sexual health experts, uh, the people who are in relationships in which pornography is used, and that they will tell you that they are in a relationship where pornography is used. So the use and the impact of pornography is, is a complicated thing. It's very complex. Uh, complex. Some people feel that pornography has harmed their relationship or their family or themselves. And many people feel the benefit of pornography. If people are consuming so much pornography that it is impacting their intimate life or it's impacting their work life, then it can be a problem. So the fact that in this particular study there were no negative impacts of pornography within these relationships and, or the most common was that there was no negative impact is, is important. And I think it's time we shift this. I mean, unfortunately the internet has, um, the internet has made it accessible and, and we've also not set limits and boundaries for our children. And when you give a two and a half year old an iPad on a plane and she starts screaming and crying because she can't get the internet, uh, there's a problem with our society. So, But we have to look at pornography simply, or, or do we, or should we, look at pornography as simply another form of entertainment, like watching sports or a romantic comedy. And certainly some television programs can be a, a mild form of porn, or they can be arousing. So it's just something for you to think about. There still are many questions that need to be addressed 
Um, we need to explore this. We need to look at larger samples of men and women within heterosexual relationships. Um, we need to look at the a range of perceived impacts that this may have on a re- on a relationship. And it probably cannot apply to every relationship where people are very different. Have there's a a big spectrum of sexuality um, and expression of sexuality, you know, that varies uh, between people and between couples. Um, but it's something that we have to look at and think about, I think, um, to see if it is impacting your relationship. Take a different look at it. Don't let it be so scary. Don't let it be so frightening. So there's so many things that can relate to the content and the patterns of pornography use. We need to look at that. Um, we need to look at the likelihood that pornography will result in a particular positive outcome or a particular negative outcome. Also, it's something to talk about in your relationship um, prior to getting intimate, perhaps, or as you're getting intimate and as things are are increasing in intensity or in intimacy. So sexual communication is really important and uh, all through the relationship, not not just at the beginning. That's just just talking about some of the things that, that you enjoy. Um, in the literature, you'll find that somewhere between 10 to 98% of men use pornography, while between 2 to 88% of women use pornography. So what that tells us is we actually have absolutely no idea how many people are using pornography, okay? Um, so the, the field, uh, you know, it's, it's just a wide and vast field. Um, we, we don't look at the type of the different types of pornography, um, and how to categorize it and organize it. That all needs to be done as well along psychologically relevant lines. So, there's so much research that needs to be done. We have a foundation here, and we just need to look at these things and think about these things in a different way. So if you've, bottom line, is if you have found your partner online looking at pornography, it may not be something that you, that you need to panic about. Um, and we definitely need more research on the use and effects of pornography in romantic relationships. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. That'd be a nice car to drive, not necessarily in this weather. but uh, So we're talking about uh, sex, of course, and this is an extremely pleasurable activity. If you do it right, if you do it at all, uh, it can be boring for a lot of people, uh, especially people in long-term relationships or people who are not vulnerable or are uncomfortable sexually expressing themselves. There is some new research that relates better memory from this extremely pleasurable activity we call sex, and we have a, a whole sex show around. So this exciting activity we call sex may boost the growth of new brain cells in the region of the brain vital to memory. This is important, especially as people age. Regular sex is linked to better memory in women, according to this latest research, which is uh, great, especially as women age, because short-term memory can be 
a big problem for a lot of women. And especially during the menopausal years, women are just like, you know, they, they always complain or often complain about memory issues beyond where are my keys. They may forget to pick up their grandchild if they have a grandchild or there can be significant things. They may forget to pay some bills or they may forget repeatedly to pick something up at the store. Um, other research has also hinted that the same may be true for men. So that's great. So this is another reason to continue to be sexually active as you age. This will keep you young. So the theory is that regular sex helps to grow new brain cells in that area of the brain, the hippocampus, that is related to memory. And it's working memory. And the working memory is our ability to hold and process information in the conscious mind, that that executive function. Uh, it's one of the most important aspects of memory. So for this particular research, 78 young men, young women, sorry, were asked about their sex lives and given memory tests. And the memory tests asked them to look at particular faces and words, and then they were to recall them later. And the results demonstrated, these are young women, that women who had more frequent sex had better scores on the memory test, so they could remember actually who they were having sex with. The link to sex was particularly strong for remembering words. And so how many times do you forget a word? And you think, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm forgetting that person who I saw the other night. Um, so the theory is that, that the sex helps to boost that neurogenesis. And neurogenesis is the growth of new brain cells in the hippocampus region of the brain. And that's the brain that is related to memory. So it's, it's higher in women who have sex more often. Another reason that women should have more sex. So if you're in a relationship where uh, you're making sexual advances to the woman in your life and she is not um, responding, not having responsive desire, not wanting to engage in sex with you, remind her her memory will be better the more sex she has because the, the levels of neurotransmitters in the brain help to boost that brain cell growth in the hippocampus. So, and also the physical exertion that is involved with sex and that increased blood flow. As I say, sex is about blood flow is also important to boosting that memory. So memory is so important. And people who are sexually active, according to Wright and Jenks uh, publication of 2016, they have a lower risk of dementia and nobody wants to get dementia. So as a couple, you got to think about that and think, I want to have sex with you. I want to continue to have sex with you because I don't want to have to be your caregiver as you age because you have dementia. So another reason to continue to have sex. This particular study was published in the journal Archives of Sexual Behavior. So remember, pun intended, have sex. It will help you to have a much better memory. I'm Maureen McGrath. Hopefully the sex will be memorable too. Hope I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Just like the Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I do love to sing. I was singing down the road the other day and uh, when I was getting my tires fixed. And somebody caught me. Anyway, I was embarrassed. And he said, why can't we sing as we're walking down the street? True enough. Why can't we? And why can't we orgasm every time we have sex, ladies, right? Um, 
sexual desire and libido are unique and different for every single woman. And there are many factors that relate to whether a woman has orgasmic ability. They can be the person the woman is having sex with. They can be the communication that is between the two partners. It can also be related to how well a woman knows and understands her body, how often she has self-explored and how well she self-explored and how comfortable she is and how vulnerable she is to speak to her partner about what feels good for her and to understand the female sexual response cycle, which is basically desire or responsive desire, arousal, excitement, plateau, orgasm, and resolution. It's really important to know how your body works so you can understand when things go wrong. But there's a new study out that I found was very interesting, and this is great news for the single ladies. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. Um, And so if you're a single woman, according to a new study out of Finland, where they researched 2,173 Finnish women with an average age of 25 at the beginning of the study, and they researched them or they surveyed them over the seven-year study using the Female Sexual Function Index, the FSFI. It's a validated, peer-reviewed questionnaire that is uh, administered to women to uh, get an idea about their Uh, sexual function, their arousal, their ability to orgasm. And the single women came out on top in regard to orgasm frequency. Yes, yes, yes. It was the single women who actually orgasm the most. The Before they got to that conclusion, they found that the rates, though, of women's orgasms changed throughout women's lives with those women who stayed in monogamous relationships throughout that seven-year study who were suffering from decreased sex drive. Well, single women experienced an orgasm or an orgasmic ability of the highest order during those seven years. Even if a woman became coupled up, she still was able to orgasm, although not as frequently as the single woman. So the for the people who started out the study in a couple, uh, but in another relationship, by the time the seven-year period came to an end, they found their orgasmic ability was somewhere in the middle, but it still fell short of those who remain single. So there you go. The single ladies have the most orgasm. So remember, your sexual desire and libido are tied to so many things. It's important to experience an orgasm, and there are so many factors that may contribute to it. So we're just about coming to the end of the program. Thank you all so much for your calls and your emails, even the one, the email I got from Scrooge. I got the meanest email. You know, I was raised, if you have nothing nice to say about somebody, don't say anything at all. But uh, that's okay. To each his own, everybody is allowed to express their own opinion. So I'm not going to read your mean email, Mr. Scrooge. And um, anyway, <laughs> but he really bothered. He really bothered a lot. That's okay. I've also gotten some lovely emails as well. And so thank you so much for those. I don't have time to go through them all. Um, But uh, we have uh, lots of people who emailed in about the stroller. And so we'll, over the next uh, couple of weeks or so, Matt, we'll, we'll talk about who should win that stroller. Yeah, that sounds great. We got three entries tonight. So three entries of the call that have called you. Yeah, for the stroller. And I have about five or six from the emails, so we've got about eight eight or nine people. It's a pretty killer gift. I really liked what uh, Dorian said. 
Uh, that I, was really I kind. That. I love that as well. That was really nice. I love people who are so gracious and generous and think about other people, you know, and, and so often people call into this show. and um, But I forgot to give away the men's um, gift, but I still can if, you know, we have a minute or two left. And so... Oh, I, are you talking about the seafood platter? No, I was going to talk about something else. Why did you think that was good enough for the men, or should I give them something I'm really else? curious what you got up your sleeve. All right, you know. <laughs> well, I, I don't like to... Uh, Overpromise and underdeliver. So, if there's a guy out there who wants to win a sex toy, I think that's what this woman, um, when she emailed me, that's what she wanted. So, I, I'm sure I have something on my website that they can win. So, perhaps they want to give us a call 604 280 9898 or star 9898 on your cell. And uh, if you're a guy, you can win the guy's prize. Anyway, prize for the guys. But uh, otherwise, don't forget about the birth fair happening February 20. 20- 5th and 26th at the Cloverdale Agriplex and also lots of other events where I'm speaking as well in 2017, not the least of which is the Autonomic Symposium. We're looking at advances in um, technology for people with spinal cord injury to help them with uh, walking and lifting and uh, helping them with uh, their ambulation and some new robotics. And it's going to be a really exciting event. And so if you're a researcher in this field, neurologist, physician, nurse, nurse continence advisor, physiotherapist, pelvic floor physiotherapist, it would be great to have you there. So uh, lots of speaking events. You can always visit my my, I was going to say visit my bedroom, but no, no, you can't. You can visit my website, backtothebedroom.ca. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at back, the number two, the bedroom. And um, also you can follow me on Instagram. I'm having lots of fun with Instagram, Maureen.McGrath uh, over there. And uh, remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, Make it part of your dance. Do enjoy this holiday season and uh, make the most of it. And I think the the way to make the most of it is to do something for somebody else and think about somebody else. And maybe, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say about somebody, don't say anything at all. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News. Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.